Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, Episode 60. European Earnings Showing Recovery Signs. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. European DJ and I will discuss with you today the most important news of the week, some earnings from popular European dividend stocks like Bayer and Novo Nordisk. We will answer some of your questions and we'll also provide you with our stock pick of the week. If you're new to the podcast, then don't forget to like us and all your favorite podcast channels. But hey, let's get started. See you on the inside. Good evening, good evening, European DJ. How are you today? Hey, EMF. Well, really good. I mean, another another show, another earnings. It was really, really like uh, a great week this week to see all these earnings coming in. And of course, last week was really heavy, but this week there were quite some nice European companies reporting earnings. You know, at the same time, August started, the summer is nice. It was a little bit raining a lot here. So you brought the weather over to uh, uh, to Eastern Europe again, I think. Yes. So, but other than that, really good. How about yourself? Yes, it's same same here. Really, really busy week last week. I was a little bit tired going into this week, I have to say. And and Monday, I took a complete break from, from everything. I could not read anymore. But looking forward to some of these companies, these European companies. Um, a lot of them are in both of our portfolio so it'll be interesting to hear hear our takes on hey but before that let's let's talk about some of the some of the news of the week uh, lots and lots of stuff about about covid we i know we're sick and sick of hearing about it but now we have some companies who will give you the boot if you're not vaccinated what do you think about that i think it's really good i mean if you're frizzes especially in the kind of a public service or like in this case, I think we're talking about United Airlines that uh, mentioned 65,000 of their employees need to be vaccinated. If not, you're fired effectively. So I think it's good because you don't want to, you don't want to be in an airplane with unvaccinated stewards, uh, stewardesses, right? The, the service people, in my opinion, should be vaccine, vaccinated, even no matter your opinion whether you're supported to vaccines or not I, I find in such public figures public places people need to be vaccinated because you don't want to be the ones that are spreading the the viruses and making others sick and we know that at least vaccines reduce the uh, chance of spreading the virus so for me it's good it's a bit harsh of course and i think uh, people that really find their freedom in such in, in in their decisions to take vaccines is really important they might they might have a really hard tough uh, uh dealing with this but for me it's like it's no brain that people should get vaccinated so i don't agree at all <laughs> honestly i i think it's a, a breach of as you said freedom you're creating this dangerous tier society and i mean if you're vaccinated why do you care if the person beside you is vaccinated or not what difference does it make? Like once you're vaccinated, you you can still get COVID. So, I mean, it's yeah, everybody you can still spread it. Exactly. So. so you can spread it whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. The only difference is vaccinated people will get milder symptoms, and and even at that, that's there's there's 
not always yeah, the but case. You also, you also reduce the amount of uh, spread that you can do. And I think yeah. if we want to stop this virus and stop the pandemic, um, it's 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 a no-brainer for me that vaccines help. And I think if you're in a working in, a, in an airplane, I, I think you, you should just take these uh, measures and just get vaccined. I, as I said, I, I just don't think if it once you're vac if you're vaccinated, like I don't care anyone's stance on on vaccines. That's everyone has their own personal preference. But I don't think you should be fired from a job because you don't want to put something in your body maybe you're not comfortable with. I, I think it's setting a dangerous precedent and it'll start with this vaccine. What else will it end up with? Um, we can see that vaccines from when the swine flu was around, there's cases coming up, I know, in Ireland and such that um, there's huge trials ongoing over trials that were not completed or, or stuff that I found. So I can completely understand why people... Would be reluctant to put it in their body and i, I i'm vac i'm vaccinated just just as everyone knows i'm not coming from this from a, an anti-vax perspective but i i feel like it's people's freedoms and rights are being completely abused here yeah i think totally different here if i'm a business owner and my customers don't want to step into a plane because they hear that my my employees are not vaccinated i'm just losing a customer base and I think uh, here that I've got an economic incentive here, my employees as well. So I expect from my employees, uh, therefore, to uh, make sure that we as a company can can earn the revenue we need. But how, so, how, how do the customers know who's vaccinated or who's not? That's not public knowledge. Nobody knows. Like, you can't search a record and, and say this person's like, nobody knows who's but, vaccinated. But this is, yeah, we can, and we can go really long onto this, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's> a... <laughs> but uh, look, for me as a as a person, I want the company to provide me guarantees that their employees are vaccinated, and uh, and an employer can look this up because they just can ask from the employee and then and then make a statement. Yes, if you fly with us, you're flying in a safe uh, 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 condition or safest condition we can provide to you, and and I think that's what this is all about. And I understand that if I would be an entrepreneur having my own business and and let's say I'm installing um, uh, security systems and my people are not allowed into a house because they don't want unvaccinated people into their house, our mm -hmm. clients, then, uh, you know, my employee has one option and just get vaccinated or, or I can't, I cannot earn money with that person. But you see, you see it's interesting the companies, okay, we have United Airlines, United Airlines, CNN, there's tech giants such as Facebook, Google, Microsoft talking about doing this as well. They have huge presences in Ireland. They're not talking about introducing it in Ireland because it will be against our constitution. It's against any freedom. It's only happening in America at the moment. Yeah. And I can't see it flying too easily over in, over in Europe because of the because it's like it's it's i just i just really feel it's it's dangerous i think everyone should have have the right to take a vaccine or not and you should not be penalized because because you have that but hey that's a that's how we roll in this we have we have our own opinions and we'll we'll, we'll move on let's talk about bernard arnold he's the richest man in the world i believe yeah yeah this is really interesting right and i think many people probably call that um but what I just find so interesting is that selling some handbags can still make you the richest person in the world. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared to someone, uh, you know, uh, having uh, owning the owning the Western world with e-commerce, uh, shooting rockets uh, into space, you know, handbags, uh, selling hand handbags is still uh, profitable. It's 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 crazy. And here, here's a fun fact you you never knew before, but in my entrepreneurial days, I <laughs> bought a load of handbags to try and sell at one point, and and realized. I really had no clue about handbags and my, my, my wife had to do all the heavy lifting afterwards but i mean i, I admire him he's 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 european he's the richest man in the world how long he'll stay there who knows but i mean fair play to him yeah oh i mean it's interesting to hear that you were uh, flipping as a side hustle i didn't know that yeah we i've done also so so you know i went back to to college I gave up a full-time job to go back to college. I had two kids, I had a mortgage. So I was I was worried at the time. And this was just before we started our coffee business. So I tried a couple of things and then went into the coffee business and, and it was all good. Nice. But we try we try flipping, try flipping handbags. And I, I should actually send you on some pictures of, of some of the ones I bought. Quite yeah, fun. that would be great. <laughs> okay, oh. cool. So um let's then start looking into some of the earnings and um what i really liked is that you picked buyer to talk about because i'm quite opinionated about buyer i will i will do some more due diligence uh, this weekend actually about it as a heads up but um yeah i'm really curious to what you thought about their earnings and how you look at it the whole situation so i was inspired to look at these when i read one of your tweets earlier this week I, I see that you are trying to get the poor ceo out of his hot seat i believe and i read the i read your tweet and i i fe immediately felt okay something bad must have happened opened up the financial highlights and then i was like what's european dj talking about <laughs> i can't see i can't see a whole lot too too negative or at least something new that that we didn't know about the group sales in, increased nearly 13 percent which which we expect last year last year they were heavily heavily impacted um particularly in the the pharmaceutical and the, the crop science because of COVID. so we we knew that they were going to increase so 13 percent was it was a decent increase uh, some of it is currency headwinds but a lot of it is from from sales increases both pharmaceutical and crop science had very 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 good sales increases so it is pretty much what we expected the only negative and and the one thing that you can see constantly throughout the whole report is they are being hampered by litigation and that, that is that is the, the main theme it's it's litigation and they, they try and dress it up in in certain ways so they report their EBITDA um or their EBIT without special oh, i can't remember the word without special events or something they, they put a spin on right. it so yeah. so so they they reported without that but you, you can't just ignore that because it, it's there and they then introduce that at the bottom of the of the report one thing that was quite concerning for me is that they couldn't they can't cover their dividend so they've increased their, their debt by it was nearly a billion or something to cover the dividend that has been hampered by litigation. So litigation has cost them three billion. They have three or three and a half billion, and it's really, really hurting them at, at the moment. Everything else is positive, but it's this constant litigation that that's lingering over them. Um, and it was a question by Alan actually. Uh, he asked us, "What would it take?" I, I would love to hear what does it take for you to invest in buyer again. And for so me, I still own buyer. Yeah, right. I still own hundred shares. So. 
look why why i'm so pissed off and and half of uh, probably three for 80 percent of all the other investors is because look, look at it and we have the picture in front of us litigation legal risks last year quarter to 2020 yeah 12 billion yeah and we were all thinking kind of okay you know this is it right that it was communicated like there was really still like a small backdoor last year that yeah. was communicated but this backdoor was uh, it was communicated more in a sense like you know we cannot give 100 percent guarantees you never know bam 3.3 billion on top of it in this uh quarter again that's huge right that's really huge and and now the, the communication is even worse so now now everyone starts wondering okay will we see 20 billion soon and remember they bought monsanto for 60 billion or something like that yeah so plus uh, and that was already heavily in debt uh, for this acquisition then plus now another uh, 13 billion in litigations probably also uh, over time decreasing sales if, if if they if they because they want to pull it out I believe in the person and in, in, in the how is it in in the consumer business, but keep it in the in the industrial. Yeah. So you know, and, and what what it just shows is the incompetence of management. So if you ask me what what needs to be for me investable, I still need to look into and do my due diligence again with these latest latest numbers. But let's say before these uh, charges, additional charges. You're getting effectively, if you look at the adjusted EPS and indeed take litigation out, you're getting the company for what is it, a six times earnings? Yeah. That's what um, we're talking about. A six times earnings, excluding the litigations. So then the question is like, how much debt can this company still carry before it really starts putting their um, uh, bank obligations into uh, questions and their credit ratings, right? That's what we're talking here about. And, and that's a difficult one about this. So if you bet on a turnaround story, this if, if they get the litigation settled, this might become a, a, a 3x uh, in, in no times. 100%, yeah, yeah 100%. And, and that's what it would take for me is, is, and I remember saying this, that when we believed the litigation was done and dusted, I bought shares, happily bought shares. And then it reared its, its head again. I don't. I, I don't blame management for rearing its head again. They had no control over this in the, in the United States. It's something out of out of their con, immediate control. We know. Look, they bought Monsanto. They made a bad decision, but they believed, and I I I truly believe that they thought it was done and dusted after after they paid this twelve billion or whatever it was. Now that it's it's reared its head, that needs to go away before I invest. But. But as you said, this could be the play of the decade if you want to take a chance. Because it, once that goes, I mean, you, you look at their sales, they are still a growing business. The only thing that's hampering them is litigations. Of Litigation, yeah. yeah. And I do blame ma management for this because I've been observing Bayer really from closely since I, I own Bayer from before Monsanto. And I, I never understood that they bought even Monsanto because the cultural fit between the company and buyer and Monsanto was not there. Yeah, you're talking here about Monsanto, which was already hated before, yeah, uh, really by, by many, many environmentalists. And then a, a gentleman company like Bayer passes by, yeah, with the culture. It was a misfit, uh, heavily in debt. Yeah, so you could argue um, um, that they paid a lot for this. 
and and although I would say um, it was not like they over that that they paid a lot on top of what Monsanto was worth worth, but Mon Monsanto just deserves a discount at the time already because everyone hated it for for good reasons. So these litigations. Uh, okay, I, I never predicted that it would be this big. I think nobody, uh, like like individual investors, did. But what happened? I mean, it's just a total failure of due diligence, total failure of this. And then, yeah, you get into the American system where you where where they are saying like, okay, the Environmental Protection Agency is say is, is not having any proof that this is giving you cancer, right? But then you have like ju uh, juries that are saying like, well, we hate you, uh, Monsanto. We'll, we'll, we find you, uh, I said, said uh, we find you guilty anyway. So there you go. Yeah. And But then for me, like we have seen other companies being able to settle things. Look at Johnson & Johnson, how it's doing uh, with their litigation. They are not, not the, uh, I said, there are no priests uh, either, Johnson Johnson, right? With the opioid crisis and such. But look at how they are dealing with it. Why is why is uh, Johnson Johnson not trading at 170 and not at uh, 60? Tell me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different management. They know how to deal with this. And for me, this the CEO and the legal team are probably just incompetent. They need to they need to talk to Johnson Johnson how they are doing this and maybe hire their legal team. Could have saved them a few billions. Yeah, simple could, like that. Could be a better, a better legal team might be required. But th there's one thing that is sticking out to me like a sore thumb, and that's the dividend is at risk. And if you just just control F their report and type in dividend, there's eleven instances of the world, and you will see that equity decline because of dividend. There's a, everything is yeah. pointing towards this being cut, and I would not be surprised if we see. 40 50 percent caught in this next year but the dividend got already cut last year right yeah it's going to be already i think from 280 to 2 euro or something like yeah that. but I, I could see them having that again really yeah really yeah yeah. That. i think as well so for me this is uh to be clear to all the listeners for me this is not a dividend dividend growth investment story if you're looking for a growing dividends please stay away from this company now it's too toxic too 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 hot stay away that would be my recommendation you yeah. know, on the other end, I'm also a little bit of a value investor and 10% of my portfolio I put in, in either uh, non-dividend paying stocks or value uh, stocks. And that's where this is really uh, um, appealing for me, but this bloody litigation. So for now, I'm just doing nothing, but maybe after some due diligence, I might, I don't know, buy a call option or something like that. Uh, to speculate uh, a long, long outstanding call option and fund it with a put option or something like that. I don't know yet, but that will be pure speculation for me at the moment. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're trading almost at 2000, 2012 levels. So it's really, really getting close to to extremely good value that, that it's almost worth taking a chance to buy, Yeah. Um, irrespective of litigation. But as you said, if they can get rid of that litigation, we could see these double in price nearly overnight easily yeah exactly okay i will look forward to your deeper analysis on this during the week or maybe next week yeah so let's talk about a little bit of a, a company that actually annoys me as well it just <laughs> annoys me because i don't own it and this is walter kluwer 
people that are not familiar with Walter Kluwers, it's um, I wrote a blog post about it. I think in March, eight March. Yeah. Uh, the company is mainly known for for all these databases. So if you work in, um, for instance, in tax or or in um, in legal in the legal industry, government. You know these kinds of big databases that you often look into for for retrieving data, whether it's like 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 statistics or more like laws, right? Uh, what are the laws in different countries and the regulation? Many times you use uh, Walter Kluwer for this or Relax, the 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 British competitor of theirs. So Walter Kluwer is really big in here, and um, they operate there for in health, tax, and accounting, governance, risk, and compliance, and legal and regulatory as business units. And you know, when I wrote the article on the eighth of March, it was trading for sixty-seven euro, and I had it fairly valued around sixty-nine euro. You need to know that literally after that, it bumped to ninety-five euro. So for me, um, you know. It, was I too greedy? Probably then, because this was clearly a high-quality company at a fair price, and I, I was probably greedy and looking for a margin of safety here. <laughs> two so, euro, two euro margin of safety. We're talking about euro, a fine margin here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I wanted to buy it at sixty or something like that. If it would uh, hit sixty, anyway. If we then go now, to, and this is why it's so frustrating for me, revenue up five percent. Yeah, uh, which is huge for such a company, right? 5%. Um, adjusted operating profit up 14%. Yeah, <laughs> 14%. I mean, these are these are huge numbers for, for a boring company because it is a yeah. boring company. Um, I said um, earnings uh, per share up 19% in constant currencies. And you need to know these companies... They have a high impact from the currencies because Walters Kluwer, I think, earns 60% of their, their sales from the United States. And I believe they said like any 1% uh, currency change um, results in two cents of additional or minus or, or additional uh, earnings per share. So this is a really big impact, right, on, on, on currency. Uh, cash flow, 476 million um, right now. Uh, but I, I did look a, li a little bit into the cash flow because 476 million, they said 50% up in constant currency. I must say uh, they're they're playing a little bit with the numbers here because it's again working capital movements. Okay. Without that, it wouldn't be so uh, so nice. So last year they 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 had capital outflow, cash outflow because of working capital management. Now they had they kept cash in their pocket effectively. So this is um, a little bit playing with cash flow, uh, playing with working capital really can boost up your free cash flow. So be aware of that. Don't take the headline numbers as such from this point of view. Uh, but what was really, really uh, making me frustrated is that they they announced a dividend per share of 54 cents, which is 40% of their prior total dividend, dividend year from last year, uh, total dividend. But you know, if you compare this to last year, then they paid out a 47% interim dividend, a 15% dividend hike is what we're talking about probably. So I didn't model my um, uh, my analysis based on 15%, but on 7% or 8% growth. I don't remember correctly, but it's usually what I do with these kinds of companies. Yeah. You know, on top of that, the 300 million buyback program, which is probably again a 1.5% uh, share reduction. This company has been reducing shares almost by 2% in the last uh, five years, every year, which is 
really good and they're doing this out of free cash flow yeah so a free cash flow plus dividends plus share buyback it's not hitting them in a, in a debt level or something like that so this is just a really really rock solid first half year and a, and a second quarter i'm really amazed about the power of what they are doing here i know they're moving more into the cloud and such but did you ever expect these kinds of databases to be so I said to be so profitable on a continuous basis. It's really, really amazing for me. And I really, really regret that I didn't buy them in the high 60s. This is one of those companies I just should have bought hand over fist, a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the performance over the last year has been not short of incredible. But at the moment, they're trading at 35 earnings, 35 times their earnings. I mean, that's too high for me. I I could not. Yeah, no, I, it's I, too I, high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but at sixty, you would have got it at, at what is it? Uh, Twenty-two times earnings with these growth numbers. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 missed the boat on that one. But some some pretty good numbers and fifteen percent dividend hike. That's pretty impressive for a company like that. You have to say. Yeah. So that's Walter's Kluwer for me. I, I wrote a post about it uh, in March. I will put it in the. Um, I say it in the. In the description of the podcast if people are interested but yeah so from buyer frustrated walter's clever frustrated so please lighten lighten me a little bit up on venovia please i don't own that one either so i hope those are bad results yeah venovia have knocked it out of the park as, as usual they're, they're just they're just <laughs> re reliable we, we spoke in we spoke in the dividend day chat i remember and we were all buying venovia and you refused to buy him but I just think they are a, a solid, solid company. They're just always producing results. You just look at their history. It's just really, really strong company, strong balance sheet. But if we look at their revenue, for, for and remember, at the moment, there is lots of talk in, in Germany. I know there's lots of fear with imposing stricter legislation on rents and, and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of fear around this company, which is why they were trading a little bit below value for, for a short period. But they increased year on year revenue 10%, which is which is pretty good. Adjusted EBITDA was up 8%. Um, group funds from operations was up 13, 13%. They've still managed to keep their loan to value around 45%. So that's their target. They target between 40 and 45. So it's it's still doing quite good there um and and each group is performing pretty pretty strongly i've noticed they are starting to outreach into the netherlands and france a little bit as well so they're looking at potential future growth so i believe they're aware of what's happening in germany and they're trying to maybe get strongholds in in other countries which i which i quite like so they're going to grow exponentially i believe if they can to get into these but it's a company that I, I really, really like. They're doing lots of lots of really good stuff and have great management. I think they just they're managing this company very well. They know the risks. They they know how to how to maneuver these risks and they're performing really, really good results. But just uh, I, I'm showing you a slide. Uh, looking at the slide there, the performance since 2013 in funds from operations, dividends, um, and their adjusted nav. It's just an upper trajectory. So. I still think they're, they're fairly valued at the moment, and I might I might just keep adding some more because I just really really like what they are doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, me too. 
now I know more about the company. So maybe that's also the reason um, why I didn't buy at the time. And I wanted to share this also to the listeners because I don't buy a company based on when others talk about it. Yeah. And what I maybe should have spotted better if 10 people are talking about it, like maybe there's really something there that I should look into. But I was with my head in other companies at the time, and I can only analyze so much as I can per the time available. So I put it on my to-do list, like I do often when people give me stock recommendations, and I've yeah. got like still 15 to go through. So that's just why I didn't invest in it. And now that I really did my own due diligence, and also your 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 post on your blog was an inspiration for that, uh, I'm convinced of it. But now, uh, yeah, I just. I just want to be a bit more greedy on 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 this. I don't need to buy it. I don't need to own it now. So I, I, I can wait for, for the better prices or maybe it grows with its funds from operations into it that it becomes valuable for me. Yeah. Um, because now, for instance, I bought some Allianz uh, this week when after the share price dropped. And, you know, so I spent most of my money for this month already, right? So I can wait another month again for Vonovia to come down a little bit or not, but then probably I'll find something else again. Yeah, I think in a month from now, it's not going to grow astronomically. But I mean, between them and Castellum, I think you've got two really strong, essentially, REITs yeah. in, in Europe that are often overlooked. So I would um, keep an eye on them. Yeah, and that was also a question from Dividend Dane, like um, about real estate investment trust and, and for instance, my portfolio, because I earn realty income and Omega Healthcare at the moment. Yeah. And actually, Castellum and Vonovia are the other two I want to own. But again, they, I find them a little bit too expensive at the moment, specifically Castellum. It, it keeps on knocking out of the park. Um, I just don't want to pay the price for it, and, and the yield is too low for me. Yeah. But those are the two companies that on the dip uh, I, will, I will buy. So Dividend Dane, uh, then in that case, I will have four real estate investment trusts in my portfolio, and that's enough for me. Out of 40 stocks is 10%. In, in holdings it's it's enough for me so i hope to maybe this year to get a chance to nibble in into one of those two and uh, otherwise well i'm sure next year or the year after will come good opportunities again yeah iipr is is one company that that has been on my radar wolf of harcourt street has been has been on at me every single time about this company to be to be fair, they they do they had really good results this week. I didn't I only looked at the headlines and from what people tweeted, I, I didn't look directly at them, but they seem to be just knocking out the park as well. Again, they just seem they always seem so expensive for me. But if they if if they were to dip in price, they would be another one that would would be on my radar. But other than that, I, I would still like to add more realty income. Uh, but the gyro can't sort their shit out. So until we get until we get more information on that. I'm stuck on that front, so it's going to be Venovia for the short term, maybe Castellum um, and IIPR. Yeah, and, and, and now that you remind uh, me about it, I also own Digital Real Realty Trust on the Hero, by the way, as a real estate investment trust. But um, yeah, I bought some of that as well at $150. It's expensive, but still a good yield uh, there, and and their growth numbers are are really 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 good and it's a play on the data centers right because they deliver a lot for facebook google as their main customers still in expansion mode and i got it at the time i think for 3.5 or 3.6 percent yield still okay so uh, that was then also more from an income point of view looking more at the yield than at the um at the valuation at the time 
Yeah, because I remember looking at them before. Maybe it was David and Dane that mentioned them, and they they looked expensive. Oil, oil rates seem to look expensive at the moment, but yeah, true. I, I remember they they particularly did, but I believe that's a really good one. I mean, data centers are not going away anytime anytime soon. So yeah, it's a, that was my thinking as well, and that was an entry position, so like really small, but just to get it into my uh, in my portfolio, so that I remind myself about it and that I see when it dips effectively. Yeah, buy the dip. Good. Okay, quickly then. There was one other company that I looked into was uh, Novo Nordisk, and again a company that I was too greedy on. Um, so I don't own it. I should have. I, I wanted to have it in the low 400s, uh, 400, and I think it was trading at the time at 430, 440. Um, but what I wanted to just highlight here, I will not go through all here, but um, they grew their sales uh, by five percent, or, or yeah, by five percent, which is huge again. But what really stood out to me is that. Um, one of their drugs are, are, are their, how is it, um, which is called Ozempic, um, which is uh, against diabetes type 2 and, and, and they call it weight balance. But we know it's just <laughs> for people with a high uh, BMI, let's say it like that. They grew their sales from 9.5 billion to 14 billion uh, compared to last year, which is a 47% increase. And you need to know that it was already their best-selling drugs. So their best-selling drugs had a 47% increase. It's relatively young on the market. It's still getting approvals all around the world. And um, yeah, I, I just love Novo Nordisk as a company. I mean, it flew away. It's trading in the 600s um, now. But Novo Nordisk is really one of those high-flying pharma companies in, in European companies that I think we should be all proud on, uh, Novo Nordisk, yeah. Disc, what they are doing to fight diabetes is is really incredible with their insulins and everything. And and this new drugs, for instance, it, it allows you to take only once a week an, an, an injection. Yeah, and I, I remember some people from the past that had diabetes, they were all the time w walking with a pack of needles in their uh, pockets. Yeah, and going to once a week injection is, I think, really, really um, a relief to many, many, many patients. And yeah, they're just really, really having a lot of momentum at the moment uh, with these drugs, and it's really improving their sales uh, a lot. This company is is on fire, and their dividend growth is on fire. It's a, it's a Noble Thirty member, and um, everyone who's holding into onto Novo Nordisk, I mean, congrats! You really picked out. Uh, a European pharma unicorn here. You, you know it. It's interesting you say that the the sales of this this drug that, as you eloquently put it, for people with high BMI, the sales have been driven in North America, which we know has an, an inherent problem of of Overweight. weight. Do you yeah. mean so? It, it's a huge, huge problem. It's it's not a secret in 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 the United States, and you can see that this this drug is perfect for that market and you can see that in, in the results so I, i'd expect that to do to do very well i suppose anyone who's a shareholder of mcdonald's and nova nordisk will probably get the best of both people will be buying yeah. their mcdonald's for lunch and and taking these later on but i mean they're doing they're doing incredible stuff and and i have friends with diabetes and it's not it's not pretty it's it's not nice it's it's it can be quite scary at times and, and what these guys do are simply incredible for that so 
I would love to own this company. They have a factory just around the corner for me. I, I don't, but they are. They do some some really really good work. So no fair play to them and yeah. and well done to them. Cool. So these were four European earnings, I think. Uh, and that was so nice about this week, right? Compared to last week. Last week was also a lot of American, really like the high-flying uh, stocks. But these were some, for me, really interesting companies to look into, all, all with their own dynamics, right? Because we didn't even talk about Fonovia and the uh, acquisition uh, stuff there, um, yep. here. And, and yeah, uh, I hope, uh, I think next week, maybe I need to check, maybe Aholt or something like that will still report. So there might be still a few, few nice European companies uh, to look into. But um, yeah, let's start now with the, uh, how is it? With the listeners' questions, and the first one is from Phil, and he's asking, please share your dreams with us. And which industry do you want to see the next disruption or the next game changer? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I, I don't I don't know. Not off the top of my head, I, I really don't know. So I would really love to see in um, I said in the oil and gas industry or the energy industry that we really get a game changer there like like really something that someone i don't know develops uh, figures out a clean energy that has really a lot of market potential and i i know those are lying already on the shelf actually so i know that the di market dynamics are really tough because you need you have high entry barriers right because mm. think about if, if you if you come with a new energy source you need to get a whole supply chain set up you need to get a whole delivery uh, downstream delivery um, uh, chain set up you need to have let's say gas stations or something like that but it will be my dream and he's asking about a dream not about reality what well, would be my dream that we would kill a lot of this and that it would be invented and the patents would be owned by shell that would be my dream because then i will benefit major as a shareholder from it I was I was expecting you to say something with banking just to get rid of all bankers altogether. <laughs> I, I know there's I know cryptocurrency is there to to disrupt it, yeah. but something that actually completely wipes, wipes away out the banks. banks. Yeah, that yeah. that would also be my second dream. I would <laughs> I I could have a you could wake me up for both of those dreams in the night. <laughs> Very good. Okay, um, Zach Bradley has messaged us the question and. He said, after breaking down Apple's financials, he sees that the stockholders' equity has been decreasing incrementally since 2018. What has the, what's the reason behind this decrease? Um, he, he would like to invest in Apple, but he's a little bit worried about this equity decreasing mm. all the time. So, you know, it's really simple. This is uh, what we call financially engineering, and uh, or maybe not even financially engineering because they are quite, yeah, it is financially engineering. Um, but what they are doing is just they are buying back massive amounts of shares. And from a bookkeeping point of view, an accounting point of view, when you reduce your share count, you need to do that against your stock um, uh, I said, uh, shareholder equity because there is something in there. You have retained earnings and such and treasury shares often. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly which posted this there in the accounting but one of those two you need to reduce because effectively you're 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 pulling back shares in uh, onto your balance sheet yeah but it's a negative one and by buying it back and that's why it's decreasing um which therefore when people look at it uh, they see the debt to equity 
uh, uh, becoming worse. Yeah, specifically, um, yeah, because if you have less equity, but your debt stays the same, or worst case, like 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 Starbucks, it becomes even more. It it, it screws up the um, um, I said the balance sheet uh, metrics. So that's really what it is about. And if you ask me about overvalued, I definitely think it's overvalued. Uh, it doesn't belong there at at such a multiple. So I own quite some Apple, uh, to be fair, but I bought them when they were trading at a nine or a ten PE. So. Yeah, they. I mean, they're still knocking it out in the park, aren't they, with their results and the uh, iPhone twelve as well is performing yeah. really strong. And I seen. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, but the the AirPods, AirPods. Yeah. If you were to make them their own business, it would be it would be worth more than than a lot of the companies on on the market yeah. at the moment, which and, is and incredible. This is, this is amazing that Apple can make such kind of a simple product, if you think about it, with many copycats and and get it it's at such a price in the market and many, many people are buying it. I mean, this is innovation at scale when you think about it, right? Well, well what, what they did is they created the problem and yes. fixed it. So they, they created yeah. it. They, they took away the feature on their phones where you can plug in normal headphones and then they made a fix for it and charged you for it and made an absolute fortune. I mean, that's genius. I don't care. That's, yeah, that's it is. Genius. It is. I'm, I'm, this is for me, Apple, if people say that they are not innovating anymore, they're still doing it. I mm. mean, you, you shouldn't look at invention, but at innovation here, they, they are a powerhouse. But, you know, it's, it's more like um, I think still that the price to earnings doesn't justify the growth rate behind it. So it's it's still too much for me and that, yeah. but we we speak about this all the time just the markets are so hot at the moment and apple is there as well and for me it should drop by 50 percent almost before it's interesting for me again if, if i keep saying the market's going to crash if i say it every week i will be right once when it happens I, I, <laughs> at least once and then you will earn a dividend talk statue <laughs> okay centrino has asked us a question about his uh, a potential strategy so his idea is to keep reinvesting the dividends received i presume in, in dividend stocks but he also would like to invest in two etfs so a vanguard s p 500 etf and a vanguard all world etf as well and he's asked do we think that these two strategies are compatible or would you not run them in parallel I mean, I mean, for me personally, I don't think there's nothing on not compatible with each other. It's, it's personal choice. I think personally, this this is probably a good option if if you're if you're thinking about it and you want to get more exposure to companies. Um, ETFs are, as we said before, are a great great choice. Um, so I, I have no problem with anyone, and I think a lot of people do. A lot of people do yeah. have a, a similar approach to this, so they will have their ETFs. Uh, maybe they don't have enough time as us maybe to, to keep analyzing companies so they have their etfs and then invest in a few companies as well so i mean i think it's a perfectly good strategy i, I actually love etfs um from this point of view but i would for instance love to own the vanguard uh, uh, dividend grow etf i would yep. love to own it but it needs to be three percent yield for me to to start in, uh, looking into an into an ETF because I have the same kind of screening criteria for an ETF and I want to see dividend growth. So he also asked about two particular ETFs. So here my answer is Centrino. Look up the, not the price chart from the last five years, 
but look up their dividend history from the last five years because I did one time a post about it and I don't think I analyzed these two uh, uh, of, of Vanguard. But please look at it because not every ETF is actually showing you dividend growth. Although the name might say that they are a dividend grower, uh, many of them, they don't grow dividends over time. They just have dividend growth companies in there. But if they are massively cutting dividends or something like that, because they use, for instance, in their ETF uh, policy, only companies with more than five years of of dividend growth. Yeah, they've been massively cutting dividends in the, um, I said, in, during the pandemic. So then those companies didn't give you a growing dividend. And if that's important for you, just check that out. And that will answer your question whether they're worth it. And it's really like, investing in stocks look at the dividend growth uh, numbers look at the the yield on cost and and make a decision based on that it's not much different from that point of view i would say i had to quickly check my son's portfolio and just doing it on my phone and he has the the all world um etf in his his account and that has returned him 33 percent since he started investing in them so i mean yeah. it's it's very reasonable I think he got it when it when it dipped back in back in March. He, he picked it out himself. Yeah. Um, I, I said I, I don't invest in ETFs. That'll be a bit of a tax hell for me when that comes around in eight years' time. But I mean, I think you can't yeah. go wrong as an investor. I think you can't go wrong with with an ETF like that. Yeah, super. Hey, and then the last one, Piotr. He is asking if you can choose one turnaround business, then which stock would you invest in? Intel. <laughs> I, yeah. I I I believe Intel are are going to turn around and that would be the one it's already walgreens was was one as well um but yeah. i'm already invested in them i i sold my shares in intel but they would be the one that i would i'd probably like yeah. i would uh it sounds awkward but because i still own them but if we really talk purely about turnaround i would probably invest in general electric because larry Culp for me is one of the best ceos that i know he did a great job with danaher he's doing a great job with uh, cleaning up the mess at uh, General Electric. So I will probably look at General Electric here. And not as a dividend company, right? Uh, yeah. As a, as a value play yeah. and a turnaround play. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that that's the last question. Thanks to everyone for the questions. So I think this week, the stock pick will go to me this week. So I have chosen a company that I've never looked at before, which is called Ingredient. And I know I put this into the chat the other day, um, and not many, not too many people knew about them or at least heard about them. But essentially, they are a, a, multi, a multinational ingredient solutions company based in based in the United States. So they take uh, components like wheat, fruits, vegetables, and make them into value-added solutions for lots of different companies in lots of different industries so any any industry whether it's food related or beverage related you might think that they have a little bit behind that so they, they try and create value for for these companies they're in america asia europe they're pretty much the, the main the main markets south america as well but they have a really 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 good dividend history um uh, the last five years has been a six percent dividend growth rate they struggled a little bit last year, but you look at, I, I was analyzed, analyzing them in terms of what happened in the last crisis, 2008, 2009. And a similar thing is, has happened pretty much this time in 2020, 2021. So whenever there's a crisis, supply, train, supply chains lock up and it, it can cause them problems, but they've always recovered really, really strongly. And that's what's after happening 
again, they've had really, really strong results this time around. So I believe that they are a good company to invest in because they are transitioning from their normal sweeteners into the likes of stevia. And we know that lots of people are a lot more health conscious. This has now accounted for 50% of their sales in North America and Europe, I think, which is which is huge, considering that they didn't have anything in this business before uh, 2018 or 2019. So really strong results. They have a really strong balance sheet, low debt. It is increasing slightly. They did make an acquisition uh, a couple of years ago. The pay ratio is always in around 40%. And what I do like about them is they have a really good R and D team, sort sort of similar to to Rush. They they do that's that's kind of their competitive advantage over the likes of McCormick's or AMD. They have a really strong R and D team that are always coming up with new solutions, um, and pushing that because it's a really competitive market. They're fairly priced at the moment. I wouldn't say they're overvalued, but they're they're certainly not undervalued either. So if you're looking for a better entry point, maybe wait. But Definitely one to to look at. I mean, everyone always needs these kind of foods, yeah. Everyone. So I don't see them going out of business anytime soon. And I, they have really strong headwinds, in my opinion. It's really interesting that you brought this one up because now that you say tell this and about stevia, um, I got into into contact with stevia as a, as a product when I started my vegan diet. Oh, so okay. I'm, I'm I'm using a vegan diet, and then if you want to bake cake or something like that. You, you need to have um you need to have kind of a replacement as stevia is the one they uh, recommend and yeah. it's bloody expensive um <laughs> yeah you you don't need too much of it when you're baking or something like that so I, i've got this stuff at home and we use it uh, we use it a lot and i think it's premium pricing and and it's actually the only product that you have there's not really an alternative uh, in the shops here it's really stevia same, so. same same over here and i think it was a brilliant move from them and the sales have been just booming i, I can imagine because on. you know uh, I, I see it around me and specifically in the in the metropolitan areas uh, veganism is really really booming i see it in the restaurants um uh, uh popping up i see it on the menu cards where it's now being identified everywhere even the products are listed in there because people are really conscious of this even even at the local bakery here, they're 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 writing down what they're putting in it in since a while. So for me uh, to have a play like that uh, really uh, really triggers my attention. So I I will really look into this one. Cool. If I can inspire anyone to look into it, that that's goal achieved in my opinion. So so the ticker is I N G R, right? Yes. Yeah. I N G R. Correct. Cool. Thank you. So it means that we are at the end of the show again. I mean, it went so quick um, and, and so much again to talk about. And I know we could have spoken about other companies still, like we didn't talk about Allianz or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure we could have done more than uh, two hours today. Oh, whatever. And, and like you said, even with Venovian and companies, we didn't talk about acquisitions. We could have spoke about these companies a lot more. And I personally, as a European, I'm, I'm loving seeing European companies doing doing so well they all seem to be coming out stronger. They're quality companies, aren't they? And we're starting to see quality rise to the top after the, the pandemic and stuff. So I'm really excited to see these companies doing so well and hopefully it will, will continue. But as always, thanks to thanks to listeners for questions. Thanks to you for your, for your time and your, your in, insights. And hopefully we will see you all next week.